Hello and welcome to this edition of the Ian Abernethy podcast. You can watch videos and listen to other podcast episodes by visiting www.ianabernethy.com. So, without further ado, here's Ian Abernethy. Hello, I'm Ian Abernethy and I'd like to thank you for once again listening in to the ianabernethy.com podcast. In this month's podcast, we'll be discussing the history and evolution of modern boxing. And as part of that, we'll be looking at the life and times of James Figg, who was the founder of uh, modern boxing. We'll also be looking at the parallels between the evolution of boxing and the evolution of karate. How boxing was a wide-ranging system that included uh, grappling, throwing, kicking and weapons, and how these elements have been lost. And of course there are parallels there with the karate, how karate was a wide-ranging system, and over time those elements have been lost and in recent times have been, uh, have been rediscovered. We'll also look at the influence that boxing has had on the practice of Asian martial arts in the West. Uh, boxing, of course, being the native uh, martial art, and obviously it's had an influence on the way that the Asian martial arts, such as karate, are practiced, trained, and um, applied. So, I hope you enjoy the podcast, and we'll now move on to discuss James Figg and the history and evolution of modern boxing. As a modern-day martial artist, I think we owe a great deal to those who formulated and developed our arts. I love to read the works of the old masters, and I love to read stories about these great men and women. By studying the past masters, we can gain inspiration, and we can also fully appreciate our arts as we can view them in their correct historical perspective. There's a good chance that if you're listening to this podcast, you practice a martial art that originated in Asia. However, we should not forget about our own indigenous fighting systems and their masters, as these systems are every bit as effective as their um, Asian counterparts, and they also make a part of our martial arts heritage. I mean, I would class myself as a traditional karateka. I'm a practitioner of the, um, the Asian martial art of karate. And yet, as a regular part of my training, I hit a punch bag, I jump rope, I spy using boxing gloves, I make use of focus mitts, as I'm sure many of those listening to this podcast also do. So the Western art of boxing has had a huge influence on all the martial arts and certainly has on, on, on my training, which is, of course, a traditional thing to do. The um, martial artists of Okinawa learned from the methods of, that came from China and their indigenous methods and the methods that came from Japan and fused it together in what we call karate. So by looking at our native martial arts and using them to enhance our karate, we're in no way um, moving away from tradition. We are, in fact, sticking with it and following with it. Um, so because of the influence that Western arts have on um, my practice, um, in addition to studying the Asian martial arts masters, I also like to read about the masters of the native art of boxing. And one such master was uh, James Figg, and I'd like to use this podcast to discuss James Figg and the art that he practiced. Uh, James Figg was born in Oxfordshire in uh, 1695, and he went on to become the first recognised champion of boxing. Fig was six feet tall and he weighed 185 pounds and he was well versed in both armed and unarmed combat. Uh, history tells us that it was the Earl of Peterborough who first spotted Fig's potential after witnessing him give a demonstration of uh, fist fighting, fencing and the use of the quarterstaff on uh, the village green. The Earl took Fig down to London where he would fight all comers, he taught his fighting system and he gave demonstrations of his skills. Fig became a very popular figure 
and many people wished to learn from him and to, to watch him fight. In 1719, Fig opened a boxing academy which held over 1,000 people. You know, this is a big academy. It shows you how popular he was. And at this place, it was where he and his students would teach and demonstrate their skills. Um, Fig's business card for the academy declared him to be a master of the noble science of defence. So we see there, you know, that we've got this, this martial art um, being practised in the 1700s and that we see that it was regarded as noble, you know, there's a system of ethics that went with it. So it's not too dissimilar to how karate was being practised at the same time in, in Okinawa. Um, Fig himself, he never lost a fight, and he was considered to be the champion of Great Britain until he retired in 1730. Now, as Fig's reputation grew, more and more gentlemen amateurs took up boxing as a pastime and sought out Fig's tuition. And, of course, we see the same thing with the karate, you know, as the reputation of the art uh, grows and more and more people want to practise it. Now, one of Fig's students was a, a Captain Godfrey, and Captain Godfrey wrote, he said, I have purchased my knowledge with many a broken head and bruises in every part of me. <laughs> now, I'm sure plenty of us can relate to that statement, you know. But, you know, this emphasises the realistic and sometimes harsh nature of Fig's tuition. Um, Fig also drew on his extensive knowledge of fencing to enhance the empty-handed fighting skills of his students. Um, the parries and riposts of fencing had an influence on what became the parries and counterpunches of modern boxing. Now, just as old-style karate is quite different from how modern karate is often practised, uh, the boxing that Fig taught uh, and practised was markedly different from the boxing of today. Although hitting was, with the fists was, was emphasised, uh, a boxer could grapple, he could throw his opponent, uh, the cross-buttocks throw being one of the favourites, and they could also hit him when he was down and continue to grapple while on the ground, although that was frowned upon, it was regarded as a, an ungentlemanly way to fight. You know. Um, indeed, it wasn't until uh, 1743, which was 13 years after Fig's retirement, that kicking an opponent whilst he was down, um, which was called purring, and I know some uh, UK martial artists who still use the term purring for kicking, uh, so it wasn't until 13 years after Fig's retirement that that purring was banned, and gouging, again, was legal, completely legal in the, the sport during that time. Um, so whilst the original art of boxing was a complete system that covered all ranges, the skills of kicking, grappling and groundwork are completely omitted, of course, from uh, modern boxing. And as we know, this situation is, is by no means unique to boxing. At around the same time that James Fig was teaching his complete martial art, Matsumura was in Okinawa doing the same with his. Um, Fig was working closely with the, the nobles and the gentry and even the prime minister of the time. And Matsumura, again, was a high-ranking official with good connections who worked closely with the kings. Uh, Matsumura taught, uh, he taught you know, some weapons work, grappling, striking were all part of this holistic martial arts package that he practiced. And it was exactly the same for, for Fig. And in the same way, Matsumura's art of karate eventually evolved into a more narrow system. And the same thing happened with Fig's boxing. Of course, traditional boxing is now completely dead, whereas um, there are plenty of us, of course, who practice the traditional art of, um, of karate. So it's the specialisation, of course, does have an upside. You know, as, as boxing dropped all its other elements to concentrate solely on punching, it resulted in these punching skills being taken to extremely high levels. Um, and we see that in other arts too. Judo has dropped its striking, um, and obviously now judo are the premier throwers because that's what they concentrate on. Um, so specialisation does have an upside. Um, but when it comes to punching, there can be little doubt that modern boxing is head and shoulders above the other arts, and that's probably why it's had such an influence. But the old version of boxing was a very complete martial arts, very holistic. 
Now, as an example of how complete boxing was, I'd like to tell the tale of one of Fig's most famous fights. In the uh, 6th of June, on 1727, um, James Fig fought a gentleman called Ned Sutton, who was from Gravesend. Um, now, the bout generated huge interest, and amongst the audience were many important names of the time, including the Prime Minister of the time as well. Um, now, the first match uh, for this boxing championship was with swords, <laughs> um, which goes to illustrate that the use of weapons were also part of a boxer's training, in much the same way that weapons were also a part of the majority of um, the Asian martial artists' training. Um, now, for the first 30 minutes of this bout, it was fairly uneventful, um, so the newspaper reports of the time tell us, until Sutton went on the attack, which resulted in Fig accidentally cutting his arm with his own sword. Now, under the rules of the first one to draw blood, this one didn't count, and hence the bout continued, and it was in the sixth round that Fig caught uh, Sutton on the shoulder, which resulted in Fig being granted the first victory. So they had a 30-minute interval, and then the fist-fighting began. Um, after the first few minutes or so, Sutton executed a throw, which resulted in Fig being dumped at the referee's feet. Fig immediately regained his feet and went on to throw Sutton, um, and this time Sutton needed time to recover as the result of a, a bad and heavy landing. So we see throwing, you know, as, as a regular part of, of, of boxing, in just the same way that throwing was a regular part of karate, but these elements have, have been lost as time's gone on. Now, following the throw, the bout continued, and Sutton landed a blow that was so powerful that Fig was knocked clean off the stage. Uh, ropes weren't used at the time, and he went straight off the stage and into the audience. Fig recovered, and he went on to punch Sutton to the floor, where he then grappled him into submission. <laughs> um, so we see, you know, these boxing bouches probably uh, bear a more close resemblance to modern MMA, although undoubtedly more brutal than, than modern MMA, and they also use weapons as well, of course. But uh, holistic fighting, that's, that's what we saw in the sports side of this system. Uh, now, the final, uh, final bout was with cudgels, um, like sticks, you know. Um, now, during this bout, uh, Fig broke Sutton's knee and hence secured a 3-0 victory. Uh, the description of Fig versus Sutton, uh, that shows us how grappling, groundwork and weapon skills were just as much a part of boxing as the punching skills for which the art is so revered today. This tale also helps to show just how skillful and knowledgeable a martial artist Fig was. I mean, how many of today's martial artists would have the skills and courage to fight in no holds barred contests where the contestants fought with bare knuckles, live swords and cudgels? You know, <laughs> when you consider that Fig was never beaten, uh, I think it becomes clear just how talented a martial artist he was. Now, not only was Fig a great fighter himself, but he was also a great teacher. When Fig retired in 1730, the title of champion was claimed by one of Fig's pupils, a guy called Jack Broughton. And Jack Broughton held that title for 20 years. Um, now, in 1741, uh, Broughton fought a gentleman called uh, George Stevenson, and the fight lasted just under 40 minutes, and it was considered brutal even by the standards of the day. Uh, both men took severe punishment before Broughton landed a solid blow just below Stevenson's heart, and Stevenson dropped to the floor, and he didn't get up. Um, Broughton was, you know, hurt to panic, you know, he panicked, and he said, you know, what have I done? What have I done? I've killed him, I've killed him. Uh, Stevenson eventually recovered enough to pay his respects to Broughton before once again he kind of lost consciousness. Now, following the bout, Stevenson never recovered and um, he died uh, from his injuries uh, a month or so later. But during that, that month between the, the bout and, and Stevenson's death, uh, him and Broughton became good friends. And uh, now the death of Stevenson greatly upset Broughton. Uh, so much so that it was Broughton who went on to devise the first set of rules in an attempt to make boxing matches safer. So amongst these rules was the declaration that at the beginning of each round a man would be given 30 seconds to make his way to a line at the centre of the ring. 
Now, if they failed to make the way to this line, the forfeited the bout. Um, now, that line was recalled the uh, the scratch. And, of course, the term not up to scratch has found its, its way into everyday usage. Uh, Broughton is also accredited with inventing the first ever pair of boxing gloves, uh, which he called mufflers. Um, but these mufflers were never used in um, actual bouts. They were just used in training. So back to James Figg, you know, James Figg is without doubt one of history's greatest martial artists. I mean, the art that he practiced was 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 brutal, as was was, was life at the, at the time. Uh, and some aspects of these fights were undoubtedly, you know, horrific by 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 today's standards. But it's because of sacrifices by people like James Figg that fighting, effective fighting skills are developed. And it's worth remembering that um, violent fighting arts develop in violent times. There's a need for them, and that's why they uh, they develop. So we're greatly indebted to men like James Figg and for the sacrifices they've made to show that we have the knowledge to deal with uh, violent encounters. Um, now, the art that Figg practiced was brutal, but it was also considered noble and a fitting pastime for society gentlemen. So again, we've seen a parallel between um, the, the boxing of the West and the karate of the East. Um, again, you know, the original art was a very brutal art, but it was still considered noble, and again was regarded as a, as a, a good thing for people to get um, to, to get involved with, for high-ranking gentlemen to to practice. Now, after his retirement, Fig obviously continued to teach his noble art, but he didn't have that long left to live. You know, he died at uh, the age of forty on the eighth of December, seventeen thirty-four. Um, uh, so leaving behind a, a wife and, and, and several, several several children. So this, this little discussion has um, taught you a little bit about what all-style boxing was like, and I say I think the parallels between Fig and Matsumura are quite striking. These are both men alive at the same time, practicing holistic arts that eventually became narrower and narrower and became sports. And as we said, you know, unfortunately nobody practices the original art of boxing anymore, but it's still possible to practice the traditional art of um, of karate. Matsumura, of course, and obviously his contemporaries and his students as well, didn't just study one art, they studied lots of systems. Um, karate was just a name that the, you know, they gave to what they did, but if you look at the history, you can see that Matsumura studied swordsmanship with the, the, the samurai that invaded, that he, he studied uh, with lots of Chinese systems, uh, he studied with anybody and anyone who would add to what he did, and as modern martial artists, we should obviously copy their example. It's not traditional to kind of say, well, that's what my master taught me, and that's what I'm sticking with, and I'm never changing it. What we do is we, we stand on the shoulders of giants, we acknowledge that what they've given us, but we do our best to improve it with the information and knowledge we've got. So just how when the Chinese arts came to Okinawa, they were altered. When the Okinawan arts went to Japan, they were altered. And as these Japanese systems, of course, spread, you know, as karate comes to the West, then it's right that it should be altered. It should be made to fit um, fit our culture and be melded in, with our own indigenous fighting methods. So obviously boxing is, is part of what we do. And some people acknowledge that and some people don't. But the fact is, we wear gloves when we train. Um, we, we also see um, uh, use of the punch bag is in common in every dojo and again that's a boxing invention uh, the, the focus mitts again come from boxing but we make great use of them um, so and I think it's right that we acknowledge these indigenous influences on what we do today and that we also look at the history of the western side of what we do as well as the uh, the, the, the eastern side as well so I hope you've enjoyed this uh, this podcast and this little look at James Figg who in my opinion a little known but without doubt one of the most influential and important martial artists that we uh, that we have So that concludes this month's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you found it of interest to you. 
If you're interested in how boxing training methods can be used in karate and to enhance the methods that we find within kata, then you may want to check out Applied Karate 1. Uh, that's my DVD available from ianabernethy.com, I-A-I-N-A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y.com. Uh, I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank everybody for their support during 2008. Um, the podcasts have uh, with a record number of listeners this year, so thank you very much to you all for listening in and for telling your training partners and friends about them. I really, really appreciate that. So I hope you have a cracking Christmas, um, and I'll be back with uh, a new podcast in the new year. Okay, thanks once again. All the best. Bye-bye.